Hello and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host for today, Simon Hodgkins. I'm delighted to be joined by Ulrika Fuchs. Ulrika is an experienced localization professional with a really proven strong leadership skills and track record of building high performing teams uh, in terms of motivated individuals. She's also an active contributor uh, to many uh, localization endeavors and is a former Women in Localization volunteer, which is a nonprofit community for the advancement of women in uh, the localization industry. Ulrika uh, works as the product marketing manager at an organization called Vista. And Ulrika can tell us all about that now as we move on and get onto the show. So thank you very much indeed for joining me today here on Vista Talks. Ulrika, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Simon. It's great to be here. So thank you for having me. Well, let's move on. I have a number of areas I'd like to get into today with you. So I mentioned there in the introduction that you've been working for many years, you know, motivating people, leadership, you've been involved in the localization industry, you've even volunteered in a couple of associations along the way. So can we just maybe go back and talk a little bit about your career at Vista, because you're there quite a while now, 12, 13 years sort of time frame, if I'm right. Uh, so tell me a little bit about Vista for our audience. People may have known it under a different name in the past. I know the company's gone through uh, quite a number of developments. So tell us all about Vista and then tell us about your moves throughout Vista in terms of your career, because uh, I know you've done a couple of really interesting roles in there and bring us right up to the product marketing side of things, if you don't mind. Sure, yeah. Uh, so Vista is part of the Simpress group, which is a leader in mass customization. Um, and you may um, know Vista Print, which is one of the Vista brands, uh, but our family has been growing and growing. So now there are uh, many more brands beneath the Vista umbrella. So we have Vista Create, 9 Designs by Vista. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the company Vista Print, uh, which specifically I work for, um, offers um, customized printed products. So I started my career uh, in the localization industry as a project manager at an LSP. Um, I was only with that LSP for a year or so, but I would say it was probably the ultimate crash course in localization. So I still think back of that as such a huge learning for me. Um, then what I did was that I decided that I wanted to focus more on the linguistic aspect. Um, and I came across an opportunity as an in-house translator at Vista. Um, and I started out doing just that, uh, but that quickly evolved into so much more. Uh, so back then we didn't really have any proper tools or processes. So my focus sort of shifted towards technology uh, and workflows. Um, so we had to implement a proper TMS with a working translation memory. I, I'm, I, I'm guessing this is uh, familiar for, for many other companies as well, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, we're, we all know that journey from crash course to starting to getting the TMS in place. So a lot of our audience will be familiar with that journey. So yeah, it sounds a little, a little familiar, but yeah, no, so continue. So how did that Vista journey sort of carry on then? Yeah, so uh, what we really did then was to, to implement the, the TMS, 
uh, set up automated workflows uh, that could integrate with our internal tools and could support really that constant flow of small tasks for, for multiple languages that we would see. And we also really had to scale to, to support higher volumes, more languages as Vista grew and, uh, and our website did and all the content that we had to, uh, to manage. And so what we did then was to start building a network of external translators. Um, so between that and all the technology implementations, as you can imagine, this uh, kept me busy for, for quite some time. Um, but then, um, as I had actually been in leadership positions previously, so before I moved into the localization industry, uh, when that opportunity uh, presented itself, it was sort of the natural next step for me. Um, and that was also sort of a moment of change within the company, meaning I had to grow and really restructure the, the team quite a bit. Um, and I did this for, for many years, but then I guess I came to a point where I felt I wasn't evolving much anymore. Um, and the first thing I did was to uh, get involved in sort of, well, extracurricular activities, if you want <laughs> to call them that, maybe. Um, so I joined the Catalonian chapter of Women in Localization, um, and I also got involved in several internal initiatives. Um, and one that I really enjoyed, for example, was the, uh, called the Learning Lab. That was a, uh, an initiative, a cross-functional one, that was focused on peer-to-peer -peer learning. And finally, I also decided to actually go back to school. Um, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to study. Um, so I, what I did was that I chose uh, an advanced management program that touched on everything from marketing to finance to operations without really digging maybe deep into each area, but, but giving a good view of, uh, of all of them. And then only a few months after finishing this master's, um, Vista's product marketing team was expanding and I was lucky enough to, to get the opportunity to join. Um, and first I thought, what do I know about marketing? Because I hadn't really, as I mentioned, I had touched on it. It was part of my studies, but it wasn't my main focus. Um, but then I actually realized that it was the perfect match because although the title says product marketing, you know, this is a role that really requires you to have a good understanding of a little bit of everything. Um, so you need to know a little bit about finance, a little bit about operations, um, because it's, it's a role where you need to work with many different departments as well. So that came in actually really handy. Um, so, well, all of that summing up, um, maybe I didn't have this grand plan or clear roadmap for my career, but uh, I guess my main focus throughout the years has really been to, to keep learning. No, absolutely. And thank you so much for sharing that with us here on uh, Vista Talks, because the, the beginning of it, it, it's kind of familiar. A lot of people find themselves working for an organization where maybe there aren't a lot of localization tools and systems and processes in place, and they have to sort of create those. And it's sort of creating the processes, 
making sure the right um, things are in place, but also working with people, isn't it? And working across different departments. And obviously with the, the scale and the growth that, that Vista has seen, um, it's, it's great to see that the sort of journey through the organization. And then, as you say, back to school and uh, into product marketing, which is a whole new uh, journey uh, within Vista. So of course, with the name like Vista, obviously people would, may know the Vista print, uh, brand, as you mentioned, which is part of the the umbrella of Vista. But of course, here at Vista Talks and at Vista Tech, we'd be a little bit partial to Vista, of course. Um, so we've we've a couple of names in common, so we like. Um, so I wanted to maybe talk a little bit more about the industry uh, in terms of the, the localization industry, if I can, because you've spent a lot of your career to date progressing that for Vista and the various brands under its umbrella. Indeed. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the localization industry because you mentioned women in localization and your, your sort of role and how you were involved there previously in a chapter. And when it comes to things like diversity and inclusion, which I know a lot of people are talking about today, but I'd be interested in your thoughts because a lot of people say that, well, the localization industry is probably more culturally diverse than, say, other industries. But maybe could you just maybe expand on that, what you think of in terms of inclusivity when it comes to the, the wider industry? Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely agree with that statement that the localization industry is one of the most diverse industries. Um, however, I would love to see more gender diversity. Um, as a whole, the, the industry may be diverse, but if we start looking at specific roles, so take um, more translation roles or linguistic work versus these technology roles, um, I feel that we are still very much stuck with those traditional uh, gender roles. Um, so I guess that's something I would hope that we could change. Because of the, the sort of tenure of service that you've had working with Vista in the industry, have you seen a change over the sort of 12, 13 years we talk about? Do you think it's getting better? Are we seeing more and more changes for the good? I would say yes. Um, and I saw, I, I had the opportunity to, to also interact with a lot of uh, localization students uh, through uh, the Women in Localization um, Network. Uh, and there I definitely see a change because even with those more um, technology focused careers within localization, you, you definitely see a, a more diverse crowds. So I think there, there, there is a change happening. Yeah. No, for sure. And we, we, we work closely with uh, a lot of elements of women in localization around the world. And I, I'd agree. I think some of those initiatives have been, have been very good and very helpful for the localization industry um, as a whole. So in terms of um, working then, let's talk a little bit about how you work today because we've all, we're all living through, I've gone through pandemic version one, two, three, four, not sure which, which version you're on. Uh, there, are there are variants, right? There's some very unfortunate statistics around the world, but I have been asking a number of my guests uh, about how they're set up to work at the moment because there's been a big move, hasn't there, to remote first. I suppose, again, the localization industry may have been a little bit ahead of the curve for some organizations because they had people working in diverse 
languages and cultures and geographical locations. So maybe that helped a little bit. But in this, you know, Vista moving to a remote first model, uh, you know, this sort of asynchronous collaboration, what, what benefits are you seeing from that model? How is it, how are you working it at Vista? And why did you sort of decide to focus on that way of working, Ulrika? Yeah, Vistaprint, as many other companies, or as you said, I guess most companies, um, when the pandemic hit, we were forced into this remote-only model. Um, at Vista, we then early on realized that beyond the pandemic, um, a remote-first model would actually have incredible potential to, remote, uh, to improve quality of life for, for employees. Um, and for us, remote first means that even after the pandemic, uh, hopefully soon, um, our primary place of work will be somewhere else than the traditional office. Um, while there will still be collaboration centers uh, for when we want to meet in person, of course. This remote model um, gives more freedom, it gives more autonomy and more trust to decide where and when you work. So, and the, the, the when here uh, is supported by a focus on asynchronous work, meaning that you can work when you are the most productive rather than the regular nine to five. Um, and it also accommodates a more non-linear workday, which in my case, for, for example, often means that I, I catch up on my emails and my messages, I organize my day in the morning, then I pop out to the gym for a bit, I come back, I continue working, or maybe I go for a midday run in, in the sun. Uh, so it really gives me so much more freedom to choose uh, when to work and, and to, to do it when I'm the most productive. But this, of course, also requires that we change the way we work. We need to minimize the number of synchronous meetings uh, and, I guess, learn to document so much more uh, than we're used to. And I, I guess this is still a transition. Um, at Vista, we've done interesting experiments like moving daily stand-ups to Slack, um, having no meeting days, and of course, leveraging team workspaces much more to document things in collaboration with others. And I guess finally, you know, another benefit of this remote first model is that we can hire new team members without being limited to a physical office, which is really a, a, a huge benefit, I would say. So thank, thank you, Oroki. I mean, it's interesting that Vista have decided to move to this uh, remote first model. I know quite a lot of companies have decided that um, actually this is working, you know, maybe even some companies that were quite doubtful that the model may work for them, but they've decided to go fully remote um, to the point of even some companies deciding they no longer need certain offices in certain locations. And as you say, attracting talent globally or where you need the talent, uh, particularly when it comes to language and linguistics, it's quite an interesting um, option uh, and as you say whether it's going for that run during the day or being able to do something allows you that little bit of flexibility because you don't have that commute I suppose. Yeah definitely I mean I, I think this is a benefit for all right for the company 
where we see that the talent pool is huge compared to when we had to hire for a specific office. And of course, for the individual with this um, new freedom or whatever you want to call it, but the, just just not having to commute, I guess, is, is already a huge benefit. Yeah, I was listening to somebody only yesterday talking about some predictions for the year. It was a financial thing, but one of the points they made is that when they used to work in an office, they could time from the minute they hit the headquarters door, it took them 12 minutes to get to their desk from the door of the headquarter building, just because of the size and scale of the organization, the security checks, the lift, et cetera, et cetera. It was on average 12 minutes. And then if you add on the commute, which was an hour, yeah. uh, and then you do that twice a day, you're kind of saying, well, that, maybe that's not as productive as, as I thought it used to be, you know? Exactly. Uh, you can spend your time much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and tell me, you mentioned as well, sort of replacing stand-ups with maybe Slack. And how is it actually working in practice, though? Are, are people embracing it? Do some people long to get back in the office? Or do you think it's really working? You think this is the way forward that Vista have chosen and you can see working longer term? What, what are your views on it, having living, working and experiencing this remote first model today? Yeah, I guess, of course, it, it, it really much depends on the individual as well and, and their uh, particular circumstances. So, of course, there are maybe people who live in a small apartment don't have enough space for, for an office. Um, but in general, we've seen at Vista that most people uh, have chosen to, to really adopt this remote first um, option. While as there are a few, um, a small percentage that have chosen to go back fully to, to one of the collaboration centers. Um, but mostly uh, we've seen that this is something that uh, that yes, it is it is the the way to to move forward. Um, and also through surveys, we see that people report that they are much more productive, uh, and of course, um, with all all the benefits of of flexibility, etc. Um, but of course, it's, this is not an easy change, uh, so it has to really be supported um, with not only with tools, but uh, but also we need to to learn to change the way we work. Yeah, no, thank you. And you're right. And it, it, it's not a one size fits all. I mean, you can have a remote remote first organization but as you mentioned you also have those collaboration centers in place for when you do need to get together from time to time as as we do um but, of course know, because th th there are also um i think we have to realize that there are different uh types of interactions and and depending what we need to do uh, it may actually require us to to meet in person or a or at least synchronous to to have um, uh, a meeting even if it's a web meeting right so I think we need to understand that um, and maybe also learn to identify the tasks that can be done um, asynchronously and the ones that need to be done synchronously or in person and can I ask you a follow-on question same sort of topic but maybe outside of your organization, obviously with your product marketing hat on, a lot of organizations either send their people to external events or they host their own events that people come to. 
have you how are you approaching the events at the moment is it all remote is it all online are you looking at hybrid or what what are you doing at vista at the moment currently i i want to say that um it's all remote um we've had the opportunity to to do some travel because we, as a product marketing organization, we also need to be in our plants where we uh, produce our products. Um, so we, at least now that travel has been a little bit more free, we've been able to do that much less than before. But when it comes to external collaborations- It's mainly remote. It's, yes, yeah. still, yeah. yes. Yeah, we're the, we're the same. We're still very much in a remote environment. And we, of course, as an organization, we ran many in-person events, but um, I think it'll be a little while longer before we get back to the in-person, uh, unfortunately, but that's the way it is. Yeah. I think you mentioned as well with the tools that, that we have available today, it, it, it has helped tremendously. And I wanted to ask you a bit about your thoughts, Ulrika, on technology. Mm -hmm. Now, whether it's technology as it relates to your product marketing role or technologies it relates to the localization industry but you know what impact do you think technology is going to be having as we you know today and as we move forward because um, i don't think we're going backwards from here right this seems to be the new way that we'll be working i don't think so no if we think about the localization industry uh i mean we've seen that technology has and, uh, and it will continue to have an incredibly uh, it, it will continue to be incredibly important for for the industry. Um, for example, we I think we've only seen the start of what artificial intelligence can do through technologies like machine translation, right? Uh, and that's just the first use of AI we've seen. But I'm I'm convinced that we will see many more coming. Um, and you know, putting on my product marketing hat. Well, I mean, it's the same. Uh, and I think also going through the pandemic, we've seen this evolve so much more because we, well, there's a need for it, right? We, it changes by the day. So <laughs> what can I say? Yes. <laughs> yeah, the, te the technology certainly isn't slowing down, is it? It's definitely speeding up. And uh, uh, yeah, it's interesting whether it's technology for localization, technology for events, technology, uh, te the technology stack involved in product marketing today is quite diverse and sophisticated. So I, I completely agree. Um, now, something I do ask people before we, before we wrap up is I like to ask you if there's anything else that you'd like to share with the Vista Talks audience, or is there anything we haven't touched on that you think we should we should touch on before we wrap up? Well, maybe just, uh, I think you started touching on this and to balance out a little bit on the talk about remote working. I think many of us, we can't wait to, to meet in person again. And um, being able to connect with other professionals is just so enriching. Um, although we know that many things can be done remote and probably many more things than we thought initially before the pandemic, um, but it can't and it won't fully replace those in-person meetings. And I think that's a lovely note to end on. So thank you very much indeed, Ulrika. It's been an absolute pleasure to spend some time with you and to catch up on everything that's happening at Vista. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure, absolutely. So look, that's the end of today's show with Ulrika Fuchs from uh, Vista. Please make sure to tune in to another Vista Talks where once again, 
we'll be talking to interesting people and some interesting discussions from all around the world. Thank you all. Thank you.